0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
2: many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it! On his feet and he's in for the touchdown! catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson, you can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.
3: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to text the show, you can text us at 865-658-5824. Again, that is 865-658-5824. Now, on today's show, we're going to answer a couple of text messages from some, uh, some listeners. Been some really, really good communication there. Uh, man, we've got people from all different walks of life all over the country, some in my neck of the woods, which is really, really cool. Um, But also just people with different opinions, right? Like people with, uh, with they're they're wanting different outcomes from this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. And obviously we've got some people that they want 12 back. They want them to retire a Packer, um, you know, on down the road. Um, You know, I think some are holding out hope that, man, we could get two or three more years out of Aaron Rodgers and and high level of play with a healthy thumb. Um, I think that, is kind of uh, in the minority at the moment. <laughs> You've got some people that uh, kind of want to just see him retire as a Packer. I think that's probably the camp I fall in because you you don't have uh, this much guesswork going into trying to decide if you want to retire or not. And, and I don't judge Aaron for that, man. I, that's got to be a tough decision, you know, I mean – just forget the money, forget the fact that there's $60 million on the line. Right. But also kind of taking into consideration about how your life's going to change, because to me, he always seemed like that type of person that he didn't want to, you know, make a decision and then change his mind on it. Right. Um, you know, there's rum- rumors and, and rumblings that Tom Brady may come out of retirement. I haven't heard the latest on that. You know, obviously this isn't a Buccaneers, Patriots, Raiders podcast. I know there was rumors that he might be interested in going to the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, but He's changed his mind before. That wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, Brett changed his mind 32 times in the course of about three days, what seemed like. <laughs> but with Aaron, he just seems like a different type of cat that when he makes a decision, it's going to be done. And first of all, the the, the grumblings have reemerged of he's holding the team hostage. We did a poll And not that polls are everything. And I understand that, you know, most of the time certain people follow certain people and it can become somewhat of an echo chamber. Therefore, the polls uh, may show that, you know, uh, it's an accurate assessment in in regards to the host or the the person whose uh, Twitter account, you know, they're following and things like that. It can become very biased. But we all kind of universally agreed. I think it was 70 percent of the poll. 70 or 80% said, as long as he makes a decision before free agency starts, that's the big thing, right? And we got free agency frenzy starting on Sunday. If I understood correctly, the new league year starts on the 15th. However, on Sunday, I think teams can begin reaching out. I believe that's what free agency frenzy is, is you've got this buffer period where it's not considered tampering. Um, I don't know for sure. You know, do your own due diligence there. Do the research. Figure that out. But I personally believe the 15th was a reasonable – time frame. You know, he can take all the way up to the last second. But we've got some news that broke that we're going to cover at the end of the show that Tom Pelicero just tweeted out. Um, just kind of talking about that timeline and things like that. But with that being said, let's just jump right into the show. Um, we're going to hit on several things. We're going to start with Mark Murphy's comments. Some of you guys are going, oh, I know what this is about. And boy, it caused some controversy. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but we're going to play this video. This is uh, Mark Murphy. This comes from Adriana Torres's Twitter page at Torres Adriana TV and she said I asked president CEO Mark Murphy uh Packers president CEO Mark Murphy why they let the Jets talk with Aaron Rodgers um he said, "Quote: It's a situation where I think we wanted to help Aaron achieve what he wanted, as well as the Packers. Hopefully, it'll create a situation where it's a win for both sides." Now, I'm going to play the video so you can hear. It's about two two minutes and eleven seconds uh, long. I don't think it's the entire interview. Um, he, there's another soundbot or or a group of soundbots that that kind of came out um, where he's in a different setting at this same event that he was at. That you know may have more details. I'm just going to play this two minute clip and kind of give you the gist. Of my opinion of what he said, and then we'll move on to the next topic. But let's go ahead and play it here. Like I said, this is uh Packers president slash CEO Mark Murphy. Um, un, you know, I want to I want to point out that NFL rumors Twitter page had tweeted out that this was the Packers general manager, Mark Murphy, and we all got a pretty good laugh out of that. It's like, man, you guys are pretending like you know inside information and you're breaking news, and you don't even know that this guy isn't the general manager. That's kind of odd to me. But uh, again, we, you know, we give people space. I make mistakes all the time. I'm going to continue to make some mistakes and say stuff that's stupid and inaccurate. And we'll try to correct them as we go. Hopefully everybody kind of looks at looks at life that way. But that was just pretty funny to me that people are trying to uh, get their clicks off of this story and they don't even know, uh, you know, the actual titles of the people who are talking. But anyway, let's hear from Mark Murphy.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I can't get into all the details, but, you know, it's a situation where I think we wanted uh, to help Aaron achieve what he wanted, as well as the Packers, and hopefully, uh, you know, create a situation where it's kind of a win for both sides.
2: At this point, is it entirely up to Aaron Rodgers on what he wants to do, and then what has the communication been like the last few days and the last few weeks?
0: Yeah, you know, we're still in discussions. I, I can't really get into a lot of the specifics.
2: Um, just you know 15 years ago this Packers organization has been through something very similar with Brett Favre even with the Jets involved in all that how strange has that been and then what has this organization learned from 15 years ago now using uh, in this year yeah
0: well obviously we're very fortunate to have back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks and yeah it's it was very early in my tenure so I remember it very well with uh, uh, with Brett's situation and you know, um, it's kind of that happens in our game. You know, nobody, very few players play for only one team. Uh, and, you know, obviously Brett had a great career, Aaron had a great career here, and uh, regardless of what happens, you know, Aaron will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he'll be in our Hall of Fame, and we'll bring him back or retire his number. And, uh, but this is just one of the things that you go through as a team. And, uh, you know, again, we want to try to achieve something that's good for both uh, Aaron and us.
2: Do you think that all of this will be resolved in the next few days? Of course that March 15th New Year deadline is what everyone is has in their back of their mind. Yeah, this,
0: you know, I think ideally for everybody uh, would be to have this resolved before uh, the start of free agency in March, March 15th.
2: Does this Packers organization believe that Jordan Love could be the face of the franchise, the future, the starting QB for this team?
0: Yeah, we have a lot of confidence in him. I think, uh, you, know, you know, he's we drafted him and uh, developed him. A lot of credit goes to our coaches, uh, you know, and to,
3: Aaron, and to Jordan. Uh, no, but uh, we do think he's ready. Thank you. All right, good stuff. So, let's recap that real quick and kind of what I got out of it. Um, you know, personally, when I hear the comments that Mark Murphy made, he's you could tell he's he's treading on. Thin ice, right? He's trying not to say anything to put himself in a bad situation. Um, At the same time, if you follow Twitter, like there was a lot of people that believed he did not do a good job at that, (laughs) right? Um, I think one comment was he said, yeah, if things work out the way we want them to, and everybody was, see, he wants Aaron gone, he wants Aaron gone. I didn't take it that way, but that doesn't mean I'm correct, right? Uh, you know, I want to leave a little bit of room there for other people's opinions and not pretend like I understand the situation better than anyone else. That's not the the goal or purpose of this podcast. But let's just kind of touch on – let's touch on a few things that he hit, right? One, you know, he said they wanted to help Aaron achieve what he wants and at the same time doing what's best for the Packers. Again, this has been my stance the whole time is I'm very, very appreciative of that because – it means whatever conclusion they come to, whether Aaron comes back to the Packers, Aaron retires, or Aaron is trading. Now there's somebody that heard my voice just now, and I couldn't even get that sentence out. And I guarantee you they shouted at their uh, you know, phone, earbuds, whatever, right? That there's no way Aaron's coming back. I got it. I got it. I understand. You don't believe that. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm not believing that either right now, but it's still an option. Why is it an option? Because all the parties have kind of said that, right? Aaron said all along, it's got to be mutual, which now you understand why he's saying that because it's, it's obvious that the organization is willing to move on. They feel comfortable with Jordan love. doesn't mean they necessarily want to again, that person's shouting again right now, I guarantee it. <laughs> but just, you got to take all three factors into consideration here because nothing has been decided. Now the, the reports that have come out from Ian and other people over the last few days would lead you to believe they're ready to sever ties. Right. But, the Tom Pellicero tweet that I'm going to read at the end of the show kind of makes you think, Oh, maybe some, there is something else there who knows. Right. But again, the thing I'm so appreciative of is the fact that they're both willing to move on at the same time and, and do it in a manner where it's not ugly. Like, Hey, look, these things happen. It's what Mark Murphy said right there. Like he's prepping the stage for like, look, it's very seldom a player does play his entire career with one team. Aaron said he wanted to play his entire career with one team, right? Brian, uh, Brian Gutekinds all the way up until this off season said he wanted Aaron back. Um, Matt LaFleur has been, you know, on the brink of tears talking about how much he wants Aaron in Green Bay over the last three years. Haven't heard much from him, which sometimes it's what you don't hear that carries the most weight, right? It's what someone doesn't say that really, uh, you know, can lead you to believe exactly what it is they're feeling or, or they're thinking. So uh, maybe that was Mark Murphy telling him, hey, look, don't even talk about it. We're not begging him back, right? Um, just a, a lot of different angles that can be taken here. Uh, but um. Another thing, she asks, is it Aaron's decision? If, what was his response? I can't comment on the specifics. Kudos to Mark Murphy right there. Because if he says, yeah, it's Aaron's decision, which is what uh kind of what Brian Gudekin said earlier in this process, you know, earlier in the offseason was like, Yeah, you know, he's got to make up his mind on what he wants to do and that type of thing, right? So he doesn't put Aaron in an awkward spot there. That's why I don't. I don't completely buy into the whole everybody freaking out saying that Mark Murphy completely blew this. Now the ones those people that think Aaron Rodgers is 100% getting traded, they're they're 110% sure there's no chance there's any other outcome other than him getting traded, they're they typically are the ones that are saying Mark Murphy screwed this up. Why? Cuz they feel like they hurt their uh their uh, advantage point, their their leverage in the trading process, right? he's so unsure he should have held this close to his vest and he could have got more draft capital. Guys, the, the, the player is worth what the player is worth. Now, what's he worth? That's a great question, right? Um, I think that the player you're going to get is a top five quarterback. That's my personal opinion. There's many people that that disagree with that, but I think with a healthy thumb, and a supporting cast around him, he's going to play as good as he has in a long time. Maybe not an MVP quality, but even Aaron not being in the MVP hunt and the way he protects the football when he's healthy, um, you know, I think he's a top five, definitely a top ten QB, right? So there's some people saying that the Jets don't have any chance of of winning a Super Bowl with him. There's others that think it's a slam dunk that he they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender. When you look at the Jets' quarterback situation from the last few years, it's been horrible. So if you take a top 10 or a top five QB and insert them in there, you would think it would elevate, right? But of course, this isn't Madden. It's not just plug and play. You know, that's the other thing too. I was trying to put my, myself in Aaron's shoes earlier. Like, would you want to go play in New York? Um, and you guys know I, I travel a lot. I love history. New York's a special place to me. Um, if you remove all of the politics, all of the, the crookedness that goes on, in a city like New York or Washington, D.C., or just insert any name, um, even some of the larger cities here in Tennessee, you know, in Nashville, all kinds of corruptness in the city in Nashville. Absolutely. Um, you know, same thing with uh, Chattanooga and Memphis and all across the board. When you remove those things, and you look at the historical aspect that, you know, New York is a special place to me. I'm a big Alexander Hamilton guy. Um, this isn't a history podcast. I shouldn't even go on down this rabbit hole, but here we are um, just. Just. You know, New York is one of those places that if you remove all the politics, if you remove all of the the corruptness, it's like, wow, what a magical place. But from Aaron's perspective, it's like, just you guys know what it's like to start a new job. It sucks, right? You might be excited about the new opportunity, but you got to get used to new co workers. You got to get used to a new environment. You got to go, you got to learn the facility. You got to find a new place to live. All of those things come into factor. And it's just silly to pretend like they don't. But, uh, regardless of what happens this is one thing that mark murphy said um he said you know regardless of what happens aaron will be will come back to green bay we're going to retire his number we're going to hang his you know retire his number hang his jersey he'll be in the ring of honor he'll be in the packers hall of fame he'll be a pro football hall of famer everything's good that makes me feel so good about the situation no matter what they decide whatever the decision is they're all going to make the decision together and i think that's cool um now, uh, he said he, he was asked about Jordan Love. What did he say? We have a lot of confidence in Jordan Love. You know, he's he's been uh, drafted and developed and training and sitting. He started to say with the help of Aaron and he cut himself off and then he went on to the coaching staff and stuff. I thought that was kind of unique, right? Like he didn't want to give any credit to Aaron, but um, I don't – that may not be the case. It's, it's unfair for me to say that just hearing him start to say Aaron's name and the whole interview was about Aaron. Maybe that was the only slip up, but anyone who thinks that if Jordan love comes out and he balls out that none of that has to do with Aaron Rodgers, they just hate Aaron Rodgers because he's got to sit behind Aaron and learn from one of the best. And Aaron and Jordan both have been, you know, publicly acknowledged how close they've become and how much they care about each other and the friendship they've created and how Aaron wasn't going to uh, be Mr. Dushow. Like uh, Favre was to him in the beginning, right? Um, so, all those things I think coming into consideration, it's uh, it's going to be a unique, a unique way of unfolding because it's got to happen fairly quick. I mean, we're talking about this March 15 deadline, then you got the June 1st deadline, and you know, I put a tweet out earlier today, and my God, I had probably three or four people come at me like I was the biggest moron in the world. All I pointed out was, hey, look. Regardless of whether he's traded or he retires as a Packer, there's a chance that the Packers could have about $40 million sitting there for free agency. They immediately took that as if Aaron Rodgers is traded, we're going to have $40 million. And, boy, they came raking in, tagging other other people, doom and gloomers, trying to, like, oh, look, look how wrong he is. Look how wrong he do not Why are y'all so upset? This is what you wanted. And, okay, now you're going to run the guy out of town, right? You, you know – the organization hasn't done that. Understand what I'm saying here. There was a small group of fans last year, Packer fans, that wanted Rogers gone in the worst way. Now it looks like you're closer to getting that, and now you want to harp on the negative aspect of him being traded in a $9 million uh, extra penalty tacked onto the cap penalty and all these things. It's like you can't have it both ways, gang. Sorry, that's not how this works. You were all for this. Were you all for this just so you could complain about it? And that's what I pointed out in the in the following tweet was like, first of all, if you're going to insult people, you're getting blocked. OK, don't go cry about getting blocked because you came in and called somebody stupid and and dropped a couple four letter words on them. Right. You're going to get blocked. It's, it's that simple. Go on with your life. But to here, you, you wanted this situation, you wanted this scenario, the scenario happens. Now you're going to point out the negative aspects of this scenario. And don't you dare try to think of anything positive that may come out of this. Right. And it just it, it cracks me up. I'm like, man, you guys, it's almost like they wanted to steer this down in this direction. And then once we get here now, here's the kill shot. Let's point out how the front office is horrible at what they do. Like and that's what I was saying to somebody earlier. It, it's not a I don't think they somebody called him an Aaron Rodgers stand. I said, no, I don't think it's that I've been called an Aaron Rodgers stand, which is hilarious. And it's like, I'm just pointing out what I see on tape and what, you know, when receivers are falling down, they're leading the league in drops and the quarterback's got a broken thumb and he's missing his two best offensive linemen, it's hard for me to say it's all his fault, <laughs> right? So – um yeah, it's just it, it's such an interesting topic. There's no no doubt about that. Let's move on to the next one, and then we'll wrap back up with the uh, Tom Pellicero. We'll check Twitter one last time, and then we'll tell you what we got on tap for this evening. Uh, this evening being Saturday evening, that will go out in podcast form on Sunday. I'm really really excited about. But up next, we got the Packers daily video with uh, the middle linebackers Campbell and uh, you know Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what Quay does in year two. You guys know I was pretty critical of Quay's play. Um, he had some huge numbers, um, obviously forcing uh, turnovers at times with forced fumbles. He had, I think he had seven or eight pass deflections. I don't have those numbers in front of me today. I talked about them a couple episodes ago. But, you know, the main thing you're looking to see for a rookie player is them to get out on the field with significant playing time and hold their own. Right. Devontae White didn't get I wouldn't consider a significant play in time. But when he was out there, he held his own. Quay Walker was out there a whole lot last year. And I felt like he held his own. Now, I'm not in the camp of this guy's going to be an elite linebacker. Not yet. I hope it pans out. Right. But I do think that middle linebacker being a tier two position of importance um, on defense. You guys know defensive tackle, middle linebacker and free safety are my most important aspects of the defense outside of the edge defender. Um, so within this tier two category, I do feel like middle linebackers pretty well locked up. We're okay there. We need a free safety. And let's hope that Kenny Clark can bounce back and have a better year than he did last year. But let's uh, let's listen to this video. This came from Packers.com, Pack, uh, Green Bay Packers YouTube page. Free to watch. Go give them a click. Um, but this is them talking about the middle linebacker position. Throws right side and, and it's it.
1: Campbell. Down the left to the house! Yes, a house call! Devondre Campbell! The only NFL linebacker to record multiple interceptions and 95 plus tackles in each of the last two seasons? Devondre Campbell. Campbell! Number 59, earned first team All Pro honors in 2021 with two picks, two sacks, and a career best 145 tackles. Devondre Campbell on the hit, and the Packer defense has come to play. Over his seven seasons in the league, Campbell has racked up seven INTs, eight forced fumbles, and over 700 tackles, averaging more than 100 per year. And now Campbell has a counterpart in Green Bay's new team leader in tackles, Quay Walker. Flashing across the line, wow, Quay Walker!
0: I think where Quay is right now and what he's doing on a daily basis, I'm, I'm really happy with the kid.
1: Hammer down on the
2: play, Quay Walker!
0: He kind of has the mentality and he feels whatever you want me to do coach I can do it. So I can line up anywhere and you, I'll, I'll, I'll get it done. Chased by Quay Walker! Walker. Oh. Chased down and taken down! Wayne, I think there's one inside linebacker in all of football that could have caught Justin Fields like that. Yeah. And his name is Quay Walker. Football is something I give my all to. It's something I love to do. So uh, I don't cheat it in no ways. I put the work in, time in, day in and day out. And uh, I always pray that I can get the best outcome of it. But in reality, it's not going to always be with that. So with the highs and the lows, I just keep
3: my head down and uh, just keep working. That's all I can do. Love that guy, man. dude. He, Of course, he's not perfect, he being Quay Walker. Um, You know, made some mental mistakes last year. We talked about it. You guys know how I stand on it. But um, that dude, athleticism, and you could just tell he loves the game. It means something to him. I can work with that. If you actually care about what you're doing, we can polish up the other things, right? And we can, we can harness that energy that went, you know, in a negative manner last year with the personal fouls and, and, and boneheaded plays after the whistle, right? We can work with that. If somebody don't care and they're just in it for the paycheck, or they're just, man, let me get four years in the NFL, then go on and do what I want to do. Sell Pokemon cards, whatever it may be. <laughs> Whew. I'm sure some of you giggled just now because you know exactly what I'm talking about with Blake Martinez. But, hey, whatever makes you happy it's cool. it's just you could tell some players they're not in love with the game, right? And Quay Walker kind of feels like he loves to play the game, right? Um, and you can work with that. But when it comes to Devondre Campbell, a couple stats they talked about. Campbell the last two seasons had 241 tackles, four INTs, and eight passes def- uh, deflected or defended. Um, guys, he, miss- he missed significant time last year with an injury too and still put up those kind of numbers in the last two seasons, right? Um, so I'm excited. I think middle linebacker's good as long as he stays healthy and Quay Walker continues to uh, you know, kind of uh, emerge as that that second in the rotation there as far as, you know, really he's a starter. We're in 11 personnel the majority of the time, unless you're playing somebody like a, you know, even if you're playing somebody like San Francisco, it's going to be very seldom with the way the NFL is going right now that you're going to be in four wide receiver sets where the Packers may have to make a decision to pull either Quay off or pull Devondre Campbell off, right? And, you know, obviously, as he gets later in his career, the goal will be for Quay Walker to take more snaps than Devondre Campbell as Devondre Campbell winds down, whether that's two years from now, four years from now, whenever. Um, But that's kind of how I I see that middle linebacker position. And, you know, Devondre Campbell was a first-team All-Pro, you know, the year before he got hurt, you know. So I I think we're in good shape at middle linebacker. Now you've got Isaiah McDuffie. Right. It's probably going to be your third middle linebacker. They're going to let Chris Barnes test the market. If Chris Barnes goes out there and it's ice cold on the market, then you offer him a minimum and bring him back with some incentive laced in, right? Um, I could kind of see it unfolding that way. But as far as the starting, you know, spot there. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking
1: we're gonna get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now.
3: Devondre Campbell, I don't think you can get much better than that here in the league. I mean, he was he was pretty much, uh, like I said, first team All Pro the year before, and and uh, in, in most cases, people would have looked at him as a a top three inside linebacker in the entire National Football League. You know, maybe just behind a, a handful of people who are considered elite. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the middle linebacker position does. Let's do this. Let's move on to a listener text. This comes in from Emilio from uh, Maryville, Tennessee which is just right down the road from me, probably about an hour and a half away. Um, He said, Clayton, it's Emilio. I live in Maryville. Uh, You had responded to one of my emails on your earlier episodes back in the summer slash fall of last year. I'm in both camps, excited for love when it comes, and I love everything Aaron has given us. And if he comes back, what he will continue to give us. I'm just wondering with all of the Jets trade talk, maybe this has gotten lost, but would he want to go into the division with Josh Allen? They play twice a year along with Tua but not only them, you've got Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, all in the AFC. Why would he not stay one more year in Green Bay where the quarterbacks in the conference uh, in total are subpar to the AFC? Appreciate your time. Thank you for all your all you do, right? So I responded to him, which uh, I'm not going to read my response. He followed up and said, uh, you know, I basically thanked him. He says, not a problem, man. Least I can do. I know you're putting in the grind daily. It's wild uh, how the lawn and landscaping has already taken off this year here in Tennessee with the weather. I'm busy as can be already, man. It's it's crazy out here. There's it, It's wild. It's it's supposed to be colder than a well digger's butt this, uh, these next five days, and the grass is grown like crazy already so it's going to be interesting to get the crews out there and get everything geared up but uh, he said I really think we will get one more year with Aaron he will cement himself by not following the same path as Brett he's already taken so many steps uh, to not go down that path so few to get to uh, be with one team why not cap a Hall of Fame Packers Hall of Fame one town one team 112 and a remarkable career hang it up and walk into the sunset at at uh Super Bowl 40 or at at 40, I'm sorry, Super Bowl or not. So at the age of 40. I said I completely agree, man. That you guys know that's been my top choice the whole time. And I've gotten uh criticized for it. Uh and that's fine. People right, you know, have the right to their opinion. Um but like Emilio was pointing out there, you know, it, it's great points. You know, Aaron Aaron would have to compete with the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots, right? And some people snicker at the Patriots. It's hilarious to me that, that they still think that that's just a pushover team, and it's not. Um, they've got a ton of money to spend in free agency. Bill will use it wisely. And I know Devin McCourty just retired, but they they Bill always – if there's one thing Bill is great at, and I really wish the Packers would pick their brain, and when people were talking about secondary coaches and things like that, I personally was wanting the Packers, rather than hiring within – to promote the safeties coach to secondary coach, I was hoping with the, the, uh, you know, the uh, leaving of Jerry Gray, I was hoping they would go to the Patriots organization and pluck one of those young guys out and bring them in to the building. It would be technically be a promotion for them because the, the Patriots always have a solid, stout safety room. I mean, all the way back in the day, think of the glory years of the Patriots. Who are the safeties? Who are the DBs? You had your tie laws, right? And then you, you moved on to who? Rodney Harrison. And then from Rodney Harrison, you move on to just insert the player's name. They were, they were always strong at safety. And then you step into Devin McCourty, right? Right. And now you've got Kyle Duggar, which is hilarious. When they drafted Kyle Duggar listening to the Patriots podcast, the fans went ballistic. Like He's just trying to outsmart himself. He thinks he's the smartest person in the room, he being Belichick. And now Kyle Duggar's playing at a great level. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'll need to shut up and listen to what the old man's got to say. But I, there's something that they do really, really well at that safety position that I wish the Packers had because it's been missing for quite some time. You went out and you signed Adrian Amos. That was a great free agent signing. Now, obviously, he struggled last year. Maybe that was a fluke, but – You know, something's went awry there. But think of all of the safeties. And I posted a clip of of Micah Hyde on Good Morning Football. And funny, somebody came at me on Twitter and said that was incorrect until I showed the exact moment that he said it. But he said that the the Packers didn't even offer him a contract midway through the season. Midway through the season, they let him know you're not going to be back with us. And he's like, all right, I'm going to play this thing out. And then the Bills came calling, and the rest is history. Micah Hyde that year was one of our best defensive players, one of the best players on our roster. You know, Aaron mentioned it recently, how good of a special teams player Micah Hyde was too. And over the years, what did Aaron have a riff with the front office about? Letting players go and not rewarding players for having great play and wanting to keep them around. People think that was just Jordy Nelson. That wasn't just Jordy Nelson. There's a bunch of players that that encapsulates. One of them, I think, is Charles Woodson. You know, they let Charles walk. Charles was still good the next year. Maybe not the same old Charles Woodson, but it wasn't like they offered him what they thought he was worth and he said, no, I'm turning it down. Um, I don't know all the details of Woodson's situation, but I do know they let him walk, right? With Jordy, they didn't even offer him a contract, from what I understand. And Aaron's point was like, man, this guy's done so much for the organization and we have this chemistry. We can keep this going. Um, Now, at the time, I'm going, don't you dare pay Jordy Nelson top dollar because he wasn't the same player after the rib injury and especially after the knee injury as well. But I think Aaron's argument was simply, look, man, he he can be a number three, number four receiver. Right. They let him walk. Micah Hyde, same thing. These are the top players that he was talking about. Julius Peppers, another one. Julius Peppers was still playing at a high level. They just let him walk. Now. Whether that falls under Goody's reign or anyone else's, the point I was getting at is you go from, you know, having a safety like Nick Collins. The last time you had a great free safety was Nick Collins and you won a Super Bowl, right? And then you move on from Nick Collins and you try to, you know, obviously Nick gets hurt, you know, nothing that anyone can do about that. Uh, just one of those freak things that, that absolutely suck because Nick Collins was such a good football player. But you move on to the next safety group, right, and what did you do? You let Micah Hyde walk. And if I remember correct correctly, it's because your draft pick, uh, Morgan Burnett, was going to be stepping in, right? You have Morgan Burnett, whether he played strong safety or not, and then you move on to the next draft pick and the next draft pick and the next draft pick, and you're trying to fit, you know, uh, square pegs and round holes. And it's like you could have signed Micah Hyde to a long-term deal and your free safety position would have been locked up, you know? And 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 you and it would have been good up until last year where Micah Hyde, you know, kind of, uh, you know, was <laughs> like still playing at a high level. Um, there's There were some mistakes made. And, you know, I'm not here to bash the front office or pretend like I understand building a football team better than them. But you've got to acknowledge the bad. You can't just prop the front office up like they never make mistakes. And this has all been Aaron Rodgers underperforming in the playoffs. And we've watched all these great players leave and go on and do – other good things there's been great great decisions too don't get me wrong jordy nelson was the right decision if he was asking for top dollar the reason in my opinion looking back in hindsight's 2020 at the time i was all for letting jordy walk because i didn't know the details of they were not even going to offer him a minimum contract that was just crazy to me they did the same thing with cobb now cobb was he worth 10 million per year i mean with aaron Rodgers, possibly the guy still graded out as the second highest receiver on our roster last year right um and if he had never left and they'd grown and built together, you know, who knows what those years would have looked like when we were trying to bridge the gap there into the floor era, right? So um, just interesting, man, interesting things to talk about. I'm not saying it's concrete one way or the other, but he does make great points about him going to the AFC, having to compete with Burrow and Mahomes and Herbert. Um, you know, I, I believe Green Bay is the best chance to win, too. I really do, Emilio. I think you're spot on with that, man. I think that Green Bay gives them a better chance to win than the Jets. Now, there are some people that think Aaron immediately makes the Jets a Super Bowl contender. That could be the case. You know, I don't know. I have a hard time believing it because, you know, the Packers, were thir- they won 13 wins the year before. You lose your edge rusher in Rashawn Gary. You lose your middle linebacker to Andre Campbell for significant time. You had your top two offensive linemen out for pretty much the first third of the season, if I remember correctly. Right. Christian Watson, who emerges as your number one receiver, number one targeter, you know, should have been by the end of the year. He missed significant time on the front side, which makes his numbers absolutely unbelievable how well they, you know, they turned out, considering he missed significant time. Um, all these things across the board and and the fact that Aaron had a broken thumb like. You come back, I think they're in that if, if Aaron Rodgers returned to this team, me personally, this is me personally, if he returned to this team, I believe they're right back in that ballpark of 11 to 13 wins if he's healthy and that thumb doesn't have long-term damage, which nothing would suggest it does. Right. Uh, So that's kind of how I see it too, Emilio. Good, good, uh, good message, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, You hit the nail on the head though. It's exactly what I wanted was for Aaron to retire a Packer and just go out on top. Uh, Obviously it didn't happen last year. Now if he returns this year, I'm less in favor of that. Although that's probably what I would like to see the most uh, me personally as a fan, I'm not saying I'm right and other people are wrong. But that's just kind of how I see that. Uh, but you know, this was kind of the window that made the most sense for the Packers. If Aaron retires, you're, the the speculation I'm going to put in quotations because again, I've never claimed to understand Aaron Rodgers' contract fully. All I'm pointing out is no one else does either. They like to pretend like they do, but they don't. Um, it, it looks like you would free up somewhere between 15 and 17 million if he retires. Right. And that's what I was pointing out today. We're sitting at twenty five million under the cap at the moment. If Aaron were to retire, we free up, you know, 15 to 16 million right now, which puts us 40 million under the cap. Um, You know, if Aaron is to be traded, there's another nine million that has to be accounted for. Nobody's ever said it wasn't. People came swooping in like, oh, you overlooked this. And now, Bub, we didn't read the tweet again. Read it again. (laughs) So anyway good stuff mill I appreciate the text let's move on to the next text this comes in from adam he was also in tennessee which is really really cool he says hey clayton adam here big fan of the pod got fam down near johnson city beautiful place we will be applying there for an orthopedic surgery residency in the near future so fingers crossed dude this area here is all medical you're you're going to be in the right spot if you come to uh, uh the johnson city area i'm back in the country but in johnson city itself man it's kind of a medical community. I did a lot of construction projects in a place over uh, downtown called, or next to downtown called MedTech. We did the concrete and still work for several medical buildings down there, including, you know, a nursing home, a huge office complex, all kinds of different spots. Um, this was back, golly, man. feels like a lifetime ago. That Probably around 07, 08 in that area. But, man, there are plenty of opportunities when it comes to medical. Anyway, this isn't a career podcast. Question is, Why are you so enamored with the take of of free agent tight ends not being valuable because they are a ton of great prospects in the upcoming draft? The reason I ask is I don't think it affects the free agency value at all. Uh, In quotations, he put maybe uh, minimally because of how tight ends historically need three to four years to develop thoughts. I could be wrong, but wanted you to touch on that because I felt maybe you missed that aspect. Love you. Stay green and go. All right and then uh, he said uh yeah 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 I just okay I just let him know we're going to hit on it today cool so you you make a great point and you've heard me say on past podcasts because Matt LaFleur made a comment I think it was a couple couple off seasons ago the reason they're not as aggressive in free agency when it comes to tight ends is because they really have to understand the offense they have to be they have to marry up to every aspect of the game they've got to be willing to contribute in the running game and the passing game They've got to know everything. Really, they've got to know almost as much as as the quarterback does, right? So nobody's uh, negating that, right, Adam? And and you make a great point. Now, what I was trying to point out with this offseason and this current tight end class is I'm not saying that the free agent tight ends aren't valuable. You know, their, their experience is huge, right, especially if it's a system that they're familiar with. If you've got somebody like Gasecki leaving – you know, Miami, where he learned the 49ers offense. Miami is the closest thing to San Francisco as far as scheme goes. Okay. The Packers, the Rams, all these other people that are within that Shanahan tree, they don't run what Shanahan runs to a T. There's a lot more 11 and 12 person- personnel, as where San Francisco has a lot more 21 personnel. The only team that really competed with that number, in my opinion, was the Miami Dolphins? They ran a lot of twenty-one personnel. Now, the fact that they're letting Gusecki walk or test free agency kind of tells you maybe he wasn't a complete fit for their offense, like a George Kittle is, right? But with that being said, there still is experience there. Um, I, I actually kind of said the opposite, and I got roasted for it. That's what's hilarious, Adam. Is you, you're kind of you're kind of asking me a question, and I know you're not doing this purposefully but hopefully we can clear it up by the end. You're kind of making it sound as if, man, you don't think that free agent tight ends are valuable. That's not what I'm saying at all. I said the opposite the week of the Super Bowl. Well, actually two weeks before the Super Bowl during the playoffs, and I got roasted for it, dude. Adam, they came at me, pitchforks and burning torches. It was like, oh, yeah, waste a first-round pick on a tight end, blah, 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 blah. Like, that tight end isn't that important. Yeah, it is. You look across the the playoff teams and everybody had a solid tight end, right? Which uh, some of them were actually, you know, due for contracts this year, and we'll kind of hit on here in a second. So I'm not saying free agent tight ends are valuable. Like Dalton Schultz, let's look at him. Right, he's considered the top free agent according to PFF. Okay, Dalton Schultz is. He's the 20th ranked free agent, and his projected contract is four years, 14 and a half million. We already talked about this. I'm not going to bore you with all those details again. Right, when he was coming out in the draft, the consensus big board had him as the 100th overall prospect. Right and his PFF grade in 2022 was a 68.3. So think about that. He was the 100 ranked tight end in, in the draft, okay, according to the cons- consensus big board. And his PFF grade last year going into free agency, that they're saying is going to warrant a 4-year 14 and a half million per year average with up to 36 million guaranteed is a fair market value is what people are predicting. His PFF grade was only a 68.3. Granted, that's that's good, you know. It's not great. It's darn sure not great. Maybe I should say solid. That's a decent PFF, grade, right? But when you look at how he performed over the years, it's been up and down. You know, his his rookie year was 63.9, and this last year was a 68.3. That's pretty close, right, to the same grade. So when we talk about early in their career, it takes them a while to get it going. You know, Evan Ingram just got the franchise tag in Jacksonville, right? His rookie year, his PFF grade was 60.6. His second year in the league was 53.5. And then last year was a 67.6. So you don't see a huge jump in difference there, right? Now, here's the one I wanted to kind of point out too, Mike Gusecki, right? Mike Gusecki, his PFF grade, his rookie year was a 78.1. But the narrative has been drawn, not by you, Adam, partly by me because I was regurgitating what Coach LaFleur said, which you got to kind of be careful with that too because there is such a thing as coach speak. You're not going to tell other teams what you're thinking about doing or what you think is valuable, right? Sometimes it does slip up, and there are people that are more genuine on the mic than others. But you know, with with Mike Geseki, seventy-eight point one is rookie year. Last year he was a sixty point five, so he went down. You understand what I'm saying? Now, still, these are the the tight ends that I highlighted. Like, hey, look, man, they people went out and spent draft capital, and they went and spent money to get these tight ends. Maybe it's more important that I'm you know, giving it uh, justice of. So just wanted to point that out that his Kiseki's best grade was his rookie year at a 78.1. Now, these these guys are less talented than Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. Right? Now, what do you mean? What do I mean by that? When you talk about where they were ranked, again, let's just go to the top free agent, Dalton Schultz, hundredth overall in the consensus big board. On my board this year, my critical board this year, Michael Mayer is 22nd, Dalton Kincaid is 24th, and then you slide down, you got Luke Musgrave at 28th. Again, these are going shif- to shift and adjust a little bit, but you could see they're they're all, you know, it, you can go down to Darnell Washington, which is a lot of people's draft cr- uh, crush. He's 33rd. Dalton Schultz, the top-ranked free agent tied in this year, was 100th, 100th. So these guys are more talented. Now, why do I point that out? If we've already debunked that a tight end can perform uh, well when he first comes into the year, which we just pointed out with the PFF grades, right? Whether you believe PFF is everything or not, I don't believe it's everything, but I think it's a great resource, a great tool. Um, To me, it's like, okay, so what's the difference? The difference is uh, learning the system. Is a player smart enough to learn a system? That's what I like about Michael Mayer so much is he went to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame players – are extremely intelligent. There's, you know, that's not an opinion of mine. That's how it's been in the past. Like you have to be the academics are set. The standard is set so high at Notre Dame compared to other universities. And I won't name them off and try to bash them, but let's be honest, guys, there's some football schools out there. They don't care about what you do in the classroom. They don't care about how intelligent you are awareness and and life decisions you make and things like that. Michael Mayer is probably going to be a step ahead of everyone else in that regard. But you got freaks like Darnell Washington that could probably run circles around them, right? So you got to take everything into consideration. But these guys, you know, like I just listed off, they're less talented than Michael Mayer and Kincaid and even Washington and even Luke Musgrave. Um, So to me, that's a push, right? So if you're if you're saying, okay, yes, these tight ends, these free, free agent tight ends, are bringing experience, but they're less talented than this draft class. And granted, all of these could bust. Right. I'm just going off the base information of the consensus. Big board had Dalton Schultz 100th. And here we've got four that are in the top 40 in this draft. Okay, so if that's a push, if you say the physical talent ability and great leadership can kind of get you over that hurdle of the fact that these young tight ends have to learn the game of football. Right. But they're just as strong, just as fast, probably in most cases stronger and faster than these grizzled veterans at the tight end position that were ranked lower going into the draft. Then when you look at it with that perspective, it becomes a push. Now it comes down to cap hit, right? So if you've got a push between physical talent and also lacking experience, which these free agents have, what's the difference in money you're going to pay? Would you pay? What would you want to pay for the same production should be the the question, Adam, for the same production. And let's say somebody comes in and they do ball out their rookie year, like Gasecki did. You know, whether they trend downward as you get, you know, later on their career, that's neither here nor nor there at the moment. The question is, can they perform their rookie year as well as the free agents uh, tight ends did last year for their respective teams? And when you look at that, you're looking at eight to ten million dollars difference. If Dalton Schultz, if and I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, Adam. Let's, I'm I'm gonna assume this is what you meant. It, it may not be. And if it's totally cool, just text me and and just everybody on the pod understand I'm not saying this is what Adam's saying. But if I'm understanding it correctly and you're saying they are worth this top dollar that's projected, and that's why we should be more aggressive in free agency, then you're saying, okay, pay Dalton Schultz $14 million as opposed to paying Michael Mayer, you know, three to five million per year. Right. You're talking about a difference of 8 to $10 million where history really says they could be just as productive as the free agent. All of that taken into consideration is why I came to the conclusion that I think that the tight end market might not be as hot as some of these numbers are suggesting. That's all I'm saying. So um, it, it's, it's very thought provoking. The message you sent me, it really got me thinking, OK, let me dig a little deeper and maybe I'm missing something. I think my opinion still stands. But I completely understand where you're coming from, Adam, completely. So hopefully that answers your question there. Um, but it's going to be interesting. We're going to know real quick, aren't we? Like as soon as free agency hits, you're going to see if these guys get some offers. And I think the number one uh, person to gauge is going to be, you know, the the two big names now that Evan Ingram's off the market is Dalton Schultz coming out of Dallas and then Mike Gusecki down in Miami, right? Hayden Hurst coming in at 79th overall. But the big one for me is Dalton Schultz. If they're projecting he's worth four years, 14500000 1000000 million, let's see how close he gets to that, and we should know pretty quick. Now, one outlier, and I want to be fair to Adam and anyone else that disagrees the take I just had, is if they really like him in Dallas, if there's anybody who's willing to overpay for a player that's going to be a Dallas Cowboy and going to be my guy that we drafted and we really like, it's that Jerry Jones character down there in the Big D, right? So that might be an outlier. We may have to go, you know what? Jerry overpaid for him. Let's jump down here to Gusecki and see if he gets $11 million per year, right? That might determine it. But I think we'll know out the gate if a bunch of offers come in. And what I mean by that is following the Tom Pelisseros, the Ian rappaport these guys that are talking about when free agency frenzy starts, the rumors start swirling. These teams are interested in here. If you've got three teams that pop on the scene for Dalton Schultz, And they're saying, hey, the negotiations are at the tune, you know, at the tune of of 10 to 12 million per year. And there's three people bidding, he'll probably get that 14 and a half million. And then you can look back and go, Clayton was wrong in that first assessment, right? And if I'm wrong, guess what happens, Adam? A note gets put down, just like from last year, when I said, Man, these teams are overpaying for wide receivers. And then the teams that paid for wide receivers went out and had success. (laughs) <laughs> so it's uh, it's all a learning process. But Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to message us, dude. We appreciate it. Just keep in touch, man. Keep them flying in because those are both two good texts, And I'm just glad we got to chat about it. So let's do this. Let's move on to the next topic as we get ready to wrap up here. I'm going to try to get organized here on my tabs. Uh, again, got more windows open than a trailer park here. Um, all right. Tom Pellicero tweeted something out today. And I'm going to double check everything before we sign off just to make sure nothing broke. But this is what he said. Despite a report to the contrary, the Packers and Jets have not have not agreed to the framework of an Aaron Rodgers trade, per sources. Both sides continue to await word from Rodgers on his plans. If he decides he wants to go to New York, then the teams will work to hammer out a deal. Now, we knew a deal wasn't finalized. There were some people that reported that, and then they retracted it. But there was a lot of reporting that went on saying, a the framework for a deal was already in place. Now, when they asked Mark Murphy, Mark Murphy said, what? Um, you know, can't really comment on the specifics. So he didn't give anything there, right? Why can't he comment on the specifics? Maybe because there isn't any specifics to comment on? Could be, right? Not saying it's the case, but it could be. And then Tom Pellicero coming out and saying that there is no framework in place. They just simply gave Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to the Jets, meaning they probably talked all right, here's what we plan on doing with the team. Here's what you can bring in. Maybe you can bring Randall Cobb with you. Maybe you can bring this one. That one. We're, we'll. We'll. Maybe they said, maybe the general manager said, we'll give you full reign, anybody you want. As long as we can make it work within our salary cap, it's all about giving you one or two years to try to win a Super Bowl here. That could have been the case, and that's all the conversation was, and no framework has been talked about. Now, Aaron goes back to whatever – you know, system, method, whatever he wants to do, whether it's a darkness retreat or hanging out on uh, on the beaches of Malibu watching me- watching Wells, right? Um, and now he needs to make a decision. So he knows the Jets want him. Check that off the list. If Aaron wants to play, now it's going to come down to him going back to Green Bay. And I still think this is on the table. If he goes back to Green Bay and says, man, I really want to play one more year in Green Bay, that's where I think the when he said the contract has to be touched, I think it has to be touched either way but maybe something can be done there to relieve a little cap. If that's the case and you think Jordan Love's a the guy, then you sign Jordan Love to a four-year extension with the understanding that Aaron's going to retire next year. This is the last year. It's the only way I see that happening. But, again, I'm kind of leaning towards he's either going to retire or get traded. Not that I want that, but that's just kind of what it feels like. But I wanted to point out that Tom Pellicero did say that all of those reports that came out, and I shared some of them, and and everything. every time I share something on Twitter, it's like, hey, look, here's here's the latest I didn't say it. This is what this person's saying. Right. Um, You know, it sounds like the fact that he got to talk to the New York Jets, the media took one step too far and was like, hey, yeah, look, they've already agreed to compensation. I mean, they pretty much came out and said that. Um, So, yeah, sounds like that might have been B.S. now. And this could be Tom Pellicero kind of cleaning up for other people. I can't remember if Ian Rappaport specifically said it, but Ian Rappaport retweeted this. So he definitely agrees with what Tom Pelissero saying. It's funny if, if Ian does have a tweet out there saying they've already agreed to compensation and then Tom Pelissero puts this out and then Ian retweets it. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> Maybe it is just about clicks, right? Which we all know it is. So just wanted to touch on that real quick. Before we signed off, also, I'm going to go look real quick and make sure nothing has changed. Just bear with me just a second here. You guys know I don't edit the podcast. It's straight uh, straight through. Um, so we just want to kind of take a peek here and make sure there's nothing that we're missing on. Of course, people are tagging me in tweets, showing Mark Murphy uh, on an inner tube going down the sledding hill. You can never miss out on that opportunity, right, to, to make the old man look a little bit silly with his hands in the air and his mitten and a little ball on, top of his, uh, uh, on the top of his uh, toboggan. Or, I'm sorry, beanie. I've learned that people up north call that a beanie, which is hilarious to me. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. I, I think I've told this story before. I'm going to tell you uh, again real quick as we get ready to wrap up. First time going to Green Bay, my wife and I at the time, uh, we weren't married, watching them play the Chicago Bears. This was back in 03 or 04, way back in the day. And they had this sign up for a credit card, and you can get you know free Piece of memorabilia. So we're like, yeah. Well, what the heck? Why not? You know, when you're young like that, sign me up for every credit card. Why not? <laughs> right? Yeah, we were idiots. So anyway, we sign up, and they said, all right, what? Which would you prefer? They said, would you prefer a T-shirt or a beanie? And I went, uh I'll take the toboggan. And the guy went, toboggan. And I went, yeah, the toboggan. I pointed at the beanie. The, he, I said, yeah, the toboggan, the cap. He said, this is a this is a cap. And I went, what? He said, this is a beanie. And I went give me the (laughs) t-shirt Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. When I said it too, I said, give me the toboggan. He said, toboggan's a sled. I went, that's a cap. And he went, it's a beanie. I went, give me the (laughs) t-shirt. So redneck 21, 22 year old Clayton Bailey going to Green Bay, Wisconsin for the first time, drove all the way across the country, got up there and it was like a different world. Right. And they were looking at me going, what an uneducated idiot. So, Anyway, that's all we got, guys. No updates. Looking at Tom Pelissero here. Uh, the last one that he did was, uh, yeah, that's the last thing he talked about on that was despite a report to the contrary, the Packers and the Jets have not agreed to the framework of an Aaron Rodgers trade. Per sources, both sides continue to await word from Rodgers on his plans. Uh, if he decides he wants to go to New York, then the teams will work to hammer out a deal. That's where we're at right now. So we're going to get out of here. I do want to say that tonight the plan is, if everything goes as planned, um, at 9 30 Eastern time, we're going to go live on YouTube and Twitter. Me and Dusty Evely are going to go live, and this is an honor. Dusty's one of my favorite follows. We've never done a pod together. Uh, we're going to hop on there and talk a little bit of Jordan Love, a little bit of Aaron Rodgers, and just really the whole situation in general. But I'm excited to hear what he has to say about the film study and breakdown he's done on Jordan Love. He's done some, uh, you know, had some significant time. i about said he did some significant time. Now, Dusty hasn't been in prison, okay, to the best of my knowledge. And if he has, Glad you got out, but <laughs> he's going to break down or, or talk about some of the film that he broke down on Jordan Love. And the goal is to come away from that podcast, which will go out on Sunday afternoon. We're just going to cut it in audio form. If you guys don't catch it live on YouTube and Twitter, to go into audio uh, on the podcast network regardless. And um, on the Packernet podcast network, I should say. And it's just going to be an opportunity for Dusty to kind of talk about in detail, hey, here's what I've seen of Jordan Love. Uh, in the just the, the little bit of the tape that he has out there, what he does well, maybe what he does bad, what to expect. And what I love about Dusty is there's no bias involved. If he's breaking down Aaron Rodgers, he's going to tell you what Aaron did good and did bad. He's not going to talk about anything outside of what he sees on the tape, and it's why I've dubbed him the Greg Cosell of Packer fans because Greg Cosell does such a good job at that. Anytime somebody says, well, he got in trouble for this, will he drop in the draft? Greg Cosell will cut them off immediately and go, I'm not here to talk about personal issues. I'm talking about strictly the tape and what I see on the tape from a football standpoint. That's what Dusty does so good, too, and it's why he's one of my favorite follows. So uh, hopefully we can put that together tonight at 930 and then get you guys a pod out for Sunday afternoon. Y'all can have that to listen to uh, on Monday at any point. Things could break with Aaron Rodgers if and when it does. Um, at least you'll have some information on Jordan Love. And uh, and you'll kind of know, here's how dusty someone who's way more educated, um, both in football and outside of football than I am. And that's the goal here is to bring people in the things that I do bad, the things that I'm not good at at all. I want to uh, cover those up with uh, with content from people who do know and people that I respect and appreciate their time and appreciate their knowledge on the game of football. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And Go Pack Go.
1: On the fake, Rodgers
0: lets it fly, has
1: Watson, he's got it, on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career For Christian Watson. You can see him it's just press, man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.